Rookie Designer 123. In the show today, we're going to cover a couple different topics. I wanted to go over a couple of things that were sent in via email through uh, from some of our listeners. Uh, a couple of topics that I thought were um, good to cover. Uh, we've probably covered part of it before, but good to go over again. Always things that are relevant to people who may be starting out in their career and freelance, something like that. And also, I uh, had a topic relating to the stuff that I've been going through lately, which we'll talk about in just a minute here. But uh, that's what we're going to be covering today on Rookie Designer. So first things first, obviously there's been something going on because I haven't been podcasting for a couple of months now. So not to get uh, too deep into my own personal issues, I uh, just thought I'd let you know that uh, I had a family emergency. Um, one of my family members has been in the hospital for over two months now. So um, obviously some things are more important than others and the podcast was one of those that just had to go. So um, finally getting a little bit back to normal. Uh, as far as my daily routine, I actually was traveling quite a bit to go up and be with my family, family member to uh, make sure that everything was okay and communicate to the family. And if an, anybody's been in a situation like that, they know that, you know, there's a lot of stress that goes along with it, as well as a lot of management. You know, you got to keep everybody updated and make sure everybody uh, is comfortable with what's going on. So... That's pretty much been my story the last couple of months. And like I said, things are getting a little bit back to normal now. So hopefully we can continue on as we have in the past. Um, as far as goings on with the podcast, I had talked earlier about setting up a new website, uh, getting that going. And obviously that thing got kind of derailed by this whole thing and probably won't happen, I'm going to say, till mid to the end of this year, if if that, <laughs> hopefully by the end of this year. But, you know, I don't know what's going to pop up. Uh, I had talked before about working on a very large project, a redesign, a re-architecture of uh, the application at my work, and that's been going on, and we're getting down to crunch time there, so that hasn't helped either. You know, that was probably priority number two uh, under the family, family emergencies. So that's really why the podcast kind of uh, fell by the wayside there. But like I said, things are starting to calm down. The project is almost done. Not that the work's going to be done after that, but um, the the pressure work, we are under some pretty tight deadlines and that stuff is almost done. So hopefully we'll have more time for podcasting and hopefully that'll free up some time for me to make that new website and start integrating some of these new features like I wanted, you know, some of the listeners to actually be able to offer up some of their information as well on that website. So I'm really looking forward to getting that done at some point in the near future. But again, I can't put a time timetable on that at this point. Other than that, um, yeah, just trying to get back in the flow of things. And one of the topics that I wanted to talk about today is actually dealing with something like this, uh, an emergency situation. And, you know, it can have quite a few effects on your daily work. If you, if you have a regular job or if you're a freelancer, I mean, it could, could mean something even even bigger for you because obviously, you know, as a freelancer, many times you're you're basically a contractor. If you're not working, you're not making money. So that can create some big problems for you. Um. Last thing here is the uh, this podcast is being sponsored by GoToMeeting. And with GoToMeeting, you can do more and travel less. And you do this by hosting meetings online. So if you need to talk to anybody and show them something, 
and they're not in the same area that you're at, you can save them a lot of money. They don't have to travel to come see you. Um, they can actually just log in through their browser. You set up the meeting and they join and you can show them everything going on on your desktop. Very easy to explain things this way and show them examples of what you've been doing. Get that instantaneous feedback because you talk to them on the phone or over voice over IP and everything is right there live and they can be across the country. So it's a great thing that way. You also pay one flat rate and meet as many times as you need to. So you also save money with that. Uh, if you want to check this out, just go to this URL, gotomeeting.com slash tech podcasts. That's gotomeeting.com slash tech podcasts. Uh, you'll see a form on that page, just fill it out and you can try, download and try the software for free for 30 days. Check it out, see if it's something that's going to work for you. So the first topic I wanted to bring up, again, kind of goes in line with what's been going on with me lately. And that is, you know, how do you prepare for an emergency? Um, one thing that I actually just thought about that I didn't kind of prepare to talk about um, was the point that, that I kind of alluded to before, which was if you're a freelancer or basically a contract worker and you don't have, you know, sick days or family leave or vacation days even to take when you're not working, then you're not getting paid. You don't get paid if you don't work. Um, as far as that, as far as like some kind of disability pay, getting that kind of stuff, if you're a freelancer or a contract worker, I really have no idea what to do there. So, um, call me unprepared for that part because I had just thought about it and you know, I'm sure there's avenues to check out with that. And maybe that's something if you are a freelancer or a contract worker that, that you should look into, um, some kind of uh, disability insurance or some kind of insurance coverage that could cover you if you're in a situation like this um, might be something good to look into. But unfortunately, I don't have any info about that. What I wanted to talk more about was preparing you and your customers for a situation like this. Now, obviously, if you have a full-time job like I do, you have these certain benefits. You have sick days. You have uh, family leave days. You have vacation days, if it came to that, that you could spend and still get that paycheck even though you're not going into work. Um, as a freelancer, we're we're the boss. We have to take care of these things. We're working sometimes one-on-one -on -one with the client. The client has to understand that if something goes wrong, then, you know, certain actions need to be taken and, uh, you know, things things happen and beyond, beyond our, our uh, ability to stop them. So we need to have a plan in place to do that. So the first place I go to that is uh, the contract, the contract language. You, ha you should have some sort of language in your contract, uh, be it, you know, a lengthy thing that describes certain situations that could happen or just a kind of a, a blanket statement that says, you know, in the event that something unfortunate happens, we need some kind of plan in place. So what we're talking about here is some kind of exit clause or an escape clause um, where, and it could go either way too. You know, if something happens on their end, maybe they can't fulfill the end of the project. So we, we need something here though, to say, you know, if I, if I get really sick, if I have to go into the hospital, obviously I can't work on your project or, you know, in, in the event of what happened with me, if one of my family members is sick and they need me to be there and I can't work, you know, we also need something for that instance. So, and this always brings me back to the deposit. I've talked to the, talked about the deposit many, many times, getting that deposit when you start to work on a project or before you start to work on a project so that if anything goes wrong, 
in the middle or even one week into the project, um, we actually have some money already so that we're not left high and dry. Because, you know, you do do some work there, right? You could work for a week and then, you know, you get sick or somebody else gets sick and you need to leave. You can't finish the project. Um, at that point, you kind of have to decide for yourself what's ethical there. You know, did you work for a week, but you got a deposit that's really half the, the cost of the project? Well, you may need to refund some money there, obviously, because you didn't do half the project. You only did one week's worth of work. So there's definitely some ethical questions there that need to be answered by you. But at least you're in the driver's seat if you have that deposit. If you have money that will cover half the cost of the project and you only worked a week, you're the one that gets to decide, okay, I'm going to give you some money back. It's not them saying, oh, okay, so I'll pay you for one week and then you're not going to do any more work on this project. Because uh, you get in a situation like that, I'd say uh, quite a few times you're going to find that a client just decides not to pay you at all, even though you did a works, uh, you did work a week for for them and for their project. So at least you're in the driver's seat that way. And I always like to have that money again because we're not even we're not only talking about you know situations like this where something happens and you can't finish the project. Sometimes we're talking about um, you've worked for maybe you have worked for four weeks on this project and they all of a sudden decide that they don't want to finish it and they're just going to take off. And you know if you haven't got that deposit then that might mean that you worked for a month and you get paid nothing. So it covers your ass that way, but it also works for this situation where, you know, something happens, uh, something unfortunate, and you can't finish the project and uh, you need to decide what to do there. Again, you're in the driver's seat because you have this money already. You can give some of it back. Um, you cannot give us, give some of it back, but if you do that, you're probably pretty much setting yourself up for never working for that client again and having them talk badly about you. So that's not always a great thing. Um, at the point where you decide that that things need to stop, uh, whether it be, again, that you're injured or you're sick or somebody else is and you can't, you just can't give the hours to the project that, that it needs, um, now you have some negotiation to do. I mean, can this project be put off? That would always be the first thing that I would ask. You know, can the deadline be moved back? Can we figure something out, some, something out so that I can figure out my situation and say, okay, it should be resolved by this time and then I can start working on it and here's our new deadline. I would always go for that one first just to see. I mean, a lot of times the answer will be no because obviously they came to you at a, a certain time because they needed the work done then. But, you know... I would always ask for that because that means that you're not losing that work. It's down the line. You're not going to get paid for a while for it, but you are still getting that work. The next one that I would negotiate or not negotiate, but talk to the client about is actually recommending someone else or, you know, a referral, sending them to another designer. Now we've talked to this point uh, many times before of how we as designers need to try not to be loners. You know, we need to have other people that we work with. Um, it's good to work with other freelancers. For instance, if you're, if, if both of you designers are uh, freelancing on your own, you know, you don't have anybody else that works for you or you work for, you're just two single freelancers. It's good to, to kind of have a bond right there because, you know, if you know they're, they're, 
work is up to par with what you think is good design, you can pass off clients to them if you don't have time for them or in a situation like this where you can't finish a project and vice versa. You know, if they get lots of clients and they know you do good work, they might feel inclined to pass on some clients to you. So it can work in your favor, but also in a situation like this, it can be very beneficial because again, you already know, first of all, the, the, you you know there's somebody out there that has good quality work that you would trust sending one of your clients to. This could work a couple different ways. It could work against you because you could send the client to them and they could do the work. And maybe their work is so good, the client says, oh, I like this person better. I'm going to use them from now on. So now you lost the client. It could also work to your advantage because they see that you're really trying. You're like, okay, well, you can't move the deadline back. So I can't work on this project, but let me send you to this other person. I know they'll do, that they'll do a good job. And the client could possibly see that as, hey, you know, this this designer is really going out of their way to to make sure that my project gets done. They know that it's important to me and they, they know that it, it needs to get done, A, and it needs to be done by somebody who has good talent. Um, and they hook me up that way. So maybe they'll come back to you even though, you know, this, this other designer is finishing this project for them. Either way, I, I think it's a win-win even if you lose the client because it makes you look good because you put the client's project first and said, hey, I know you need to get this done. I'm going to help you out by sending you to this other designer that I know can get the job done for you and do it do it in a good way. Do it in a way that's acceptable to you. Bottom line here, though, I think you need to have some plan in place. I mean, nobody ever thinks anything like this is going to happen to them but it does, you know, whether, whether it be actually happening to you or happening to somebody, you know, um, chances are you might find yourself in this position at some time. And I think you need to have a good plan of attack for that. Now, luckily, and I say luckily, uh, kind of sarcastically, luckily I've been so busy with everything else. I wasn't doing any side projects, so I didn't run into this problem per se, but, um, it, it definitely, it definitely is something that, that can come up and, and you need a way to deal with it. And again, a very big percentage of freelancing is keeping the customer happy. It's customer service. Uh, you you want to be able to kind of focus in on your design work, but there's so much stuff, so much other stuff that goes along with it. And customer service is a huge one because bottom line for freelancing is you want to keep your clients happy, keep them coming back to you with more work. And the way to do that is customer service and making sure they're happy and making sure that everything is a smooth process. Well, when we're talking about a situation like this, it's probably about the biggest bump in the road you can have in a project. So being able to kind of put out the fires and handle it very smoothly and make sure that everything uh, works out the way it's supposed to, whether it be you know pushing the project back and you doing it or handing it off to someone else, it's going to make you look very good if you have a some kind of a plan in place to deal with certain things like this. And uh, again, that can only mean better things for your company. So the next thing I wanted to talk to actually comes from, there's a couple of different topics that come from listeners of the show who sent in emails um, quite a while ago, of course, since I've been out for so long. Um, one of them is, and, and I know we've talked about this in the past. Um, it was probably a long time ago though, but um, one of the listeners, Larry wrote in and and he wants to hear about graphic design equipment. So he says, Apple versus PC, desktop versus laptop, maybe some specific items such as MacBook versus MacBook Pro, or maybe situational such as freelance uh, corporation or student. Um, 
I also wanted to tie in, and maybe I'll wait for that. So the first thing I would talk to with this is um, equipment. Equipment is, is always an issue for everybody, right? So if you need to do anything, I, if you have a full-time job, obviously they're going to provide you with the equipment that you need, hopefully. Uh, if you're out there on your own freelancing or doing contract work, most likely you're going to have to buy your own stuff. So, you know, the biggest thing that, that I say should should come into your thought process when you when you start to decide what you're going to buy equipment-wise and in talking like hardware is you have this decision to make, you know, there's the biggest and the best computer out there uh, versus what you need to get the job done. And this is the biggest question that you're ever going to have to answer as far as um, figuring out what to buy. Uh, the, the impulse, I think, is to buy the biggest and the best. Um, put every single add-on feature that you can on it, and that way you know you're covered for everything. But is that realistic? Probably not, because when you're starting out freelancing, or even if you've been freelancing and it's time to upgrade your equipment, you probably don't have a whole lot of money to do that. And obviously, adding every single feature onto a computer is going to cost you the most money. Uh, what you need to get the job done is a question in itself. So you need to do research not only on you know what's available for the computer or for the hardware versus you know how that's going to work for uh, the different tasks that you need to do. You need to find out what kind of work you're going to do. So when I first started out, I had all these aspirations. I was going to do all these different things because you know the school that I went to taught you how to do many different things. I wasn't just honed on on one particular thing. So I could actually do print print work. Uh, I also did print work, meaning I did brochures and stuff, and I did, you know, big things. I, I did large format graphics as well. So I could do things for like trade show booths and stuff like that, which is different because you're working on a humongous file, which takes Photoshop a lot longer to process. So you're going to need processing power. You're going to need more RAM to make those things not bog your computer down and you're waiting like 20 minutes to do things, which I actually had experienced. Um, I also had the ability to do video editing. So I thought, you know, I can do that too. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, I've, I've edited audio before. I thought I could do some stuff for that as well. Uh, I'd also done web design. I thought I would do web design too. So first of all, the thing you need to, to realize, and this is a completely different topic that we've talked about before as well. If you're going to get out there and freelance, you need to really kind of pick a few things that, that you're the best at and try and do those. Don't try and do everything. Um, but relating back to the hardware, you know, if I wanted to do all this stuff, then I needed a big, bad computer, you know, especially for video editing. I mean, that takes a lot of processing power as well, especially when you go to actually like render out a movie, you know, unless you have the time to just let it run overnight, it's going to take a long time unless you have, you know, a super huge computer. So just speaking to a couple of his questions, first of all, the desktop versus laptop, um, in my opinion, and this is just one man's opinion, the only reason you would need a desktop in this day and age is if you're doing video editing. And that's not necessarily even the truth right there. I mean, you can do that on a laptop. There are laptops that are uh, powerful enough to, to run that. But like I said, when, you're, when it actually comes time to uh, render out your movie, um, you, you probably want to have some kind of desktop setup or some other computers that you could use as, you know, slaves to actually get that processing power amped up and, and get everything moving a lot quicker. 
Um, in my opinion, though, a laptop is way more flexible these days. Uh, I know the, the iMacs are very convenient. Uh, I actually have one at my work right now. But being able to take your work with you anywhere you go, especially as a freelancer, I think is invaluable. It's something that you, you really need because you can... You can always take it with you. You might not have intentions of working. Maybe you're going on a vacation. But if something comes up, you got your laptop right there. And, uh, you know, it's it's that much more accessible to you. In certain circumstances, that's bad. And, and you need to just leave the, the laptop at home. But I think all in all, for me, a laptop is the perfect the perfect uh, hardware to use because it is so flexible and they are very powerful these days. It's, it's not like it's uh, giving up too much power as opposed to the, the desktop. Um, talking to Apple versus PC. I mean, this is a, a battle that has been waged for long, long time. So it really has to do with preference. If you don't have a preference and you go strictly on price, um, I would say a PC you can probably get into quite a bit cheaper than a Macintosh. Does that mean it's the right way to go? Not necessarily. I mean, I kind of I kind of had a beef with these commercials that, that they've been running where they give people a certain amount of money and they go out and they try and get the best computer for that money. Um, I, I don't necessarily believe everything that they're they're feeding you on those commercials. But I do believe that, I mean, there's so many different people that make PCs out there it is cheaper for you to get into a PC than it is to get into a Mac. Now, in my opinion, um, I've had many more problems with my PCs than I had have had with my Macs. Um, so, in, and I kind of lean towards the Mac way anyways. I like those computers better. I like the operating system better. But to each his own. You know, everybody's going to have a different opinion on that one. So, like I say, if, you, if you're basing it strictly on money, um, I think a PC you could probably get into cheaper. But does that mean it's as good as a low-level Apple computer? Not necessarily. Um, these are This is another area where you have to do a lot of research and figure out what it is, what kind of uh, power you're going to need, what kind of memory you're going to need, what kind of uh, you know graphics card, all this kind of stuff. It's just the research that you have to do to figure out what is the right decision for you. I can't make that for you. Um, you could go to all your computer friends and ask them, but their opinion is their opinion, and uh, they don't necessarily base it exactly on your specific needs. So it's it's kind of a tricky situation there. Um, <clears throat> just speaking to his question about MacBook versus MacBook Pro, um, I can't, again, I can't tell you exactly what you need, but I can tell you that, you know, I make the videos for App Clinic on my MacBook. Um, I design for print, I design for web. Um, like I said, I do video editing for that. I also do audio editing for this podcast. I do all kinds of stuff, and I have a MacBook. Uh, I have the black one, which was kind of the higher end one. Um, so it did get you closer to it was it was about as close as you could get to a MacBook Pro without getting a MacBook Pro, but it works just fine. The only complaint I would have is it's the it's smaller, it's the 13 inch. So sometimes when I'm working just on my laptop, I don't have it connected to my monitor. It is a little bit small, but other than that, processing power, uh, I have four gigs of RAM, which I would I would give you bare minimum. I would say get four gigs of RAM because it just helps for things like Photoshop and Illustrator that just are memory hogs and can make things go a lot slower if you don't have that RAM. But I've I've had no problems using a MacBook and, and not getting not upgrading to that MacBook Pro. And there is a pretty big uh, difference in pricing there. So uh, that would be my my opinion, my words of advice on that one. 
Uh, as far as situational, he says uh, freelance. So we talked about that. I mean, freelance, you're going to have to buy your own stuff. Um, if you're a student, I really, I really don't know. That's a good question because at my school, they provided you with computers. I think most schools, they probably will. Um, there's even some of those uh, kind of odd schools that are popping up these days because they're just trying to make money that give you a laptop when you go to the school. Um, but do you want to have your own setup? Possibly. And is that the best time to buy? Absolutely. So my thing is, and I, I bought my first setup when I was still a student. And if there's any way possible that you can get the money together to do that, I would say do it. Because when you're a student, you can get all kinds of discounts. Um, I don't think that they're necessarily as great as they used to be. But uh, for instance, on the Apple website, if if you can log in or go in as a student, um, you actually can save like $100 on certain things, like $100 on a monitor, I think $100 on a computer. Um, it's not a huge savings in comparison to what you're spending, but you're never going to find a deal like that anywhere else any other time. So if you're a student, you have that student ID, you have the ability to buy from somebody who gives you student pricing, definitely take advantage of that. Um, <clears throat> as a corporation... I mean, if you're working for a corporation, like we said, most of the time, they're going to provide you with what you need. Is it going to necessarily be what you want to be working on? Uh, maybe not. You know, I've had to work on a PC for the last couple of years, and I, I generally don't like it. I mean, I'm fine working on PCs. I don't have a problem with it. I'm just as fast as I am on a Mac. I just prefer the Mac uh, operating system. And finally, I'm going to actually be able to move to a Mac here pretty soon. But I mean, there's certain advantages and disadvantages as well. I mean, obviously, when you're on a Mac and you're designing for web, most of the users that use our website are on a PC and they're using Internet Explorer. Um, now, there are tools out there also that allow me to kind of generate the the uh, the look of a PC and the look of what Internet Explorer is going to look like on a PC, but I'm not actually being able to you know do that from my Macintosh computer. So there's disadvantages that way, but I'm th I think the advantages most time outweigh it when you're comfortable working in you know the the environment or the operating system that you're comfortable with. Um, but for the most part, I mean, if you're working for a larger company, I don't think you're going to have to really worry about this stuff unless you just want some some of your own equipment to uh, use in your free time or maybe use on the job, which I wouldn't recommend. I've done that before also. And uh, if you're using your own stuff for your work, you're basically, you know, you're wasting the life of your own computer for another company who's not paying you for it. So I wouldn't recommend that too much. Uh, but again, as a freelancer, you need to have equipment. So if you are going to freelance and you're still a student, maybe try and get that money together and buy before you're not a student anymore. And that way, you know, it, it has no bearing on your freelancing. I mean, if you buy stuff at student prices, it's still, it's still hardware that you're going to end up using. So take advantage of that. Um, the, the next thing is software. So software is pretty pricey as well. Again, I would extend that same kind of thing that if you're a student, go ahead and buy that software, but be weary of this. And I, I'm not exactly sure what the law is as, as it pertains to this, but um, the way that software is priced these days for students, I'm not sure that, you know, I, I'm actually pretty sure that it's not uh, supposed to be used for freelancing or for making money off of it because you're getting it at, you know, sometimes half or a, a quarter 
or a third of the price that it usually is. And I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't sell that to you knowing that you're going to be making money off of it, uh, sell it to you at that price. So definitely something to look into. Back way back in the day when I bought Cork, uh, Cork Express 4, it was probably maybe $100 or maybe $200 off the original price. And so when it came time to upgrade and I was no longer a student, uh, I actually sent a letter to them or an email to them asking, you know, is it okay that I use this for freelancing? I'm making money with it. But, you know, back in the day when I bought it, it was only discounted like $100 as opposed to at that point when I was emailing them, I think you could get it for half price or something like that. So I actually asked them and they said, yeah, that's fine. You can go ahead and just upgrade it to the newest one and you can use that for freelancing. Everything's kosher with that. So always, you know, you want to make sure that you're you're legit, make sure you're legal for freelancing purposes. Um, and, and on that same topic, I mean, sometimes you'll actually buy software from other people. You'll buy uh, maybe a software package from somebody on eBay or Craigslist or something like that. And just, you want to make sure you want to call in, give them the serial number, make sure that everything's legit and that, that that's a, a proper copy of the software that you can use legally to freelance. Uh, it's pretty important stuff. I mean, the chances of you getting caught using software that's not your own, that's not registered to you, uh, probably pretty slim, but I don't think you want to face the consequences if that is the case. So better safe than sorry on that one. Uh, I think this is where I wa actually wanted to bring in the other email that was sent in. Let's see if I can find it. And here it is. This is from one of our listeners, Chris, and he had lots of good topics that he brought up in this one, but one I thought kind of went along with what we're talking about here. Um, and one of the statements here is the pros and he wants to want, wanted me to elaborate on the pros and cons of the proliferation of PCs and software in the graphic design industry. So talking to this and talking about software the one thing that we've been running into, and I think even more these days, is the fact that, and, and a perfect example is the Adobe Creative Suite, is the fact that it seems like every damn year now they have a new package of software for us to buy. And every year that we buy it, you know, if we're upgrading, it's still like, you know, $800 or something like that. Or if we're buying it new, it's $1,500. Or if you live in Europe, it's even more than that, I've heard. So... I think we got to, it's, it's good and it's bad, right? So the good part is we have these new features that they're coming out with every single year. Um, we always have things that we say, Hey, I want this in my Photoshop. You know, I want this or I want that. And they've actually been taking that feedback and actually putting it into the software. What do you know? So it's good that way because we're getting the things that we want. They're coming up with new features every year that help us work faster, work more efficiently, work smarter, and don't waste our time so that we can, you know, get things done faster and make more money, which is what we want. And, you know, they make more money as well because we have to pay for the software. Uh, it's good that way, you know, and it's good that the products are moving forward. Um, Cork Express, a good example, didn't do crap for, you know, a couple of years and InDesign really jumped on them and everybody kind of switched over to InDesign. And then Cork came back and said, hey, we have this new feature. We have new features. We have a new, uh, a new Cork Express for you. It's brand new. It's got all this stuff. And, uh, you know, some people probably went back. A lot of people probably didn't. Because people want to see that these new things are coming out. They want to see, they want easier ways to work. Um, they want better features. It's just the way things are. So it's good and it's bad. It's bad because, you know, we have to pay that extra price for it every single year now. Or do we? So here's another 
another situation where you have to decide, okay, do I want the biggest and the best and the newest, or do I want what works for me? Okay, so more research involved here. Um, you actually need to go and figure out what this new software does and make sure that it's going to be something that you're actually going to use, first of all, or something that you need. Because if it isn't, then why should you pay all this money to get this new improved um, package if you're not even going to use those new features? It's going to basically the way you use it, it's going to end up being exactly like using your old software. So you need to make sure that these things are actually going to be something that's going to improve your process, going to improve your workflow, because if it doesn't, it's not worth spending the money on. Now, I will say um, for myself, first of all, I like to keep up with the latest thing, but I think I kind of have a built-in excuse that, you know, I'll get the new software and I'll make some app clinics and show everybody, hey, this is what's new in here and this is how you could use it in your workflow and this is how it can improve your processes. Um, so it kind of works that way because I can put out tutorial videos. You guys can watch those and say, hey, I'm never going to use that. And then you don't buy the software. So it kind of works for me. You know, I like that. I just have that that uh, personality where I'd like to have all the newest stuff. I like to have the new software and the newest uh, devices. You know, I, I didn't buy an iPad, but uh, that's that's probably the extent of my holding back. You know, when, when the new Adobe Creative Suite comes out, I'm probably going to buy it because I like to have new stuff and I like to do new features and I like to show people, hey, this is cool about this and that. Um, but are you always going to need it? Definitely not. And uh, I think I just forgot the point that I was going to bring up after that. But um, we're talking about, you know, reasons why you might or might not want to upgrade. So now I remember my point was you always want to stay somewhere within reason of the latest version, right? So for myself, obviously, I keep all the newest ones, but I, I always like to stay even before I would buy the brand new one when it, right when it came out. I would like to stay within you know two versions or so of the newest one that's out, because sometimes you'll see you know if you fall too far behind when you go to upgrade and you're upgrading you know three versions or something like that, they'll actually charge you more than they do if you're like two versions away or one version away. So it's a good enough reason to kind of stay up a little bit, you know, maybe not up with the Joneses where you have the brand new one, but stay within a couple of versions of the newest one that's out. And again, you're going to realize that, you know, even if you were on CS and you upgraded to CS1 or CS1 to CS2, you're going to notice that there are some features there that you didn't get before. And, uh, you know, a lot of times those are going to come in handy. But again, I mean, you're not going to need everything. So you need to decide what's actually going to help you what's actually going to be useful in your workflow. And is that, you know, do kind of a, a cost benefit analysis and figure out, you know, is it worth it for me to spend this money to get this new software? Am I going to save that much more time and be able to make money to offset the money that I'm paying for the software? So again, uh, and, and the same thing goes, I mean, he brought up PCs as well. The same thing goes for, for buying a computer. And I will give you this advice always try and stay up on the tech news. If you're in the market to buy a new computer, you want to make sure that you're, you know, if you're going to buy an Apple, go to all the Apple rumor sites. If you're going to buy a PC, uh, I don't know where you go for that, but I'm sure there's somewhere, you know, some kind of tech news and make sure you, you understand what's going on in the market because, you know, you don't want to buy a computer and then have them come out one week later with something that's even better. That's at a price point. That's not very far away from what you paid or, 
The flip side of that, maybe you know something new is coming out, and as a result of that, the older stuff they're trying to get rid of and they're going to discount a little bit, and maybe that's when you want to buy that one. So always, you know, you want to stay up on these things and and be ahead of the game. Um, But again, I think it's good. Just like the software is good, it's good that these computers come out every year because they're giving you more power. They're giving you more features, you know, operating system features, uh, more features like in the new Mac laptops. They have the the different little pad that you use on it now, which is better than the older ones. So, I mean, there's there's certain advantages there to them putting out things all the time. Now, could they just sandbag a little bit more and release one every other year? Sure, they could, but why are they going to do that? Because they can get you to pay, they can get all those fanboy people to buy one every single time they put something out. So, it makes sense from their vantage point. It makes sense for us because we're getting more features, but again, the cost of all that is the actual cost of upgrading to another computer, which uh, isn't very cost efficient usually. But um, I mean, these are the things that we're up against. And again, your best defense on this whole thing is to make sure that A, you figure out what exactly it is that you're going to do, what kind of work you're going to do. And then you can start to think about, okay, what kind of features am I going to need from my hardware or my software to get those particular tasks done in a timely fashion and in in a way that that's comfortable for me and then you can start to do your research on what exactly is out there for you in terms of hardware and software and uh, again figure out what they offer what's going to fit into your needs and your price range and also making sure that you know if you want something new make sure something new isn't about to come out or if you want something cheaper maybe you know do the flip side of that and say something new is about to come out maybe i need to wait until they're trying to get rid of their inventory of what they currently have and i can get that at a better price uh, but but generally i think as far as equipment goes you need to be careful if you're impulsive like me but uh, I think it's hard to go wrong. I mean, generally, anything out there is going to work. Obviously, you don't want to buy a netbook if you're going to do graphic design. That's not going to work too too well for you. Um, but I, I think even going low level on things is going to get you into something where you can work. It might not be the most efficient way to work, but you can work and you can get get some jobs and do that and maybe build up some money and go from there and work your way up. Don't try and get the biggest, baddest thing that you can right off the bat, like I wanted to, but I didn't end up doing. Um, Try not to get yourself into a situation where you need to use a credit card and just make this giant purchase of everything that you need. You know, try and work your way into stuff. Maybe you start out by um, just doing a few things, just doing some, uh, you know, print design and then working your way into other ones where you need to actually spend more money to to get the other software that you need. The other thing that I didn't cover was um, in, in regards to Chris's topic was kind of the advantage. Now we talked about advantages of the software that we already use coming out with new features, but another great one, and it's just been, it seems to me, maybe I just wasn't paying attention before, but there seems to be just an explosion of app app developers these days, uh, especially for the Mac, the one that I've noticed the most. Now PC, I've always noticed that there's been a lot of, you know, smaller applications that do some very useful things. And there was just tons and tons and tons of them. For the Mac, it didn't seem so much, but in the last five years, it's just exploded. There's all kinds of people designing applications for the Mac that are very, very useful, do very, um, very specific things in some cases and in other cases do a lot of different things that you might need. And uh, 
this is another thing that I think we benefit from that um, uh, proliferation, as he says, of, of software, is there's a lot of different choices now for software that does pretty much the same thing. So we can pick and choose, you know, we can have something that's cut more custom to what we want to the way that we want to work. And also, you know, the price point of those things also tends to go down when they start trying to compete with each other to get our business, which also helps us. Um, when we're talking about things like Adobe, uh, they don't really have too much competition these days. So, you know, the price is really not going to go down on those things. But again, on that side of things, they know that this is the standard that everybody uses this. So it's more about, you know, paying that extra money to get the new features that they're giving us. But I think it really has helped on the other side with the small guys too. And, you know, there's all the way down to the iPhone. I mean, obviously there's a lot of people developing stuff for the iPhone. It's not going to help us in our work too much. But I mean, when we're talking about... Um, productivity, things like that. I mean, the different things that are out there for your iPhone can even help you with your business. So uh, I think it's a really, really good thing that there is such a huge influx of all these app developers and there's just so many apps being thrown at us now, we can't even keep up with all of it. But if you find the right ones and they're in your, your price range and they do something that you want to you want them to do, I think it's a very, very good thing. And it's only going to continue to grow as well. So I think we can prosper from that a little bit. And uh, I think the key, again, and I'll say it one more time, is, is just being selective. You got to be selective about what it is that you're going to actually, you know, use for your job, um, what you're actually going to pay your money, your hard-earned money for. And uh, you got to make sure that it's something that's going to be right for you. And he has Baker standing in his way. Two balls and no strikes to Baker. And a ground ball to third. Since we're on the topic of buying stuff and buying stuff at a student discount, I thought I would point out uh, it's a pretty mainstream site for student discounts, but it's called JourneyEd. You can find that at journeyed.com. Um, just the, this is the one that I know of. There's also smaller ones that you find, and some places actually, some cities actually have um, local stores, or sometimes just the local stores will have uh, student discounts. And also, uh, if you go to the student store on your campus, many times they will sell things at the uh, discounted price as well, even sometimes hardware they have there. I haven't been on a college campus in a long time, so I don't know what they have, but I know the last time I went, um, they actually, you could buy a, an Apple computer from them at a discounted rate. So check that out, but check out this site as well, Journey Ed. You'll find some pretty good deals on here uh, as far as software goes. So uh, check that out. And yeah, like I said, if you're a student, this is the best time to buy because you will not get these discounts any other time. All right, so hopefully I covered that topic well enough. Uh, again, you know, you got you to gotta plan for unexpected emergencies in, in your in your workload, if you're especially if you're a freelancer or a contract worker, and also you know just uh, going out and getting that equipment, it's a big thing. It's a big purchase. It's a big commitment. So you want to make sure that you do the research necessary. Make sure that you get the uh, the system, the software and hardware that's right for you, and not just go willy nilly and spending a whole bunch of money that you're going to regret spending later. So uh, hopefully that helped you guys out a little bit, and. Uh, Again, if you have any topic suggestions or questions for me, you can send them to rdpodcast at gmail.com. That's rd as in rookie designer, rdpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I do have a Facebook page up there. If you just go to Facebook and search for rookie designer, you'll find that page. I've had a lot of people uh, 
uh, become fans of the page. So thank you for that. And uh, you can also throw up some topics or questions, suggestions up there as well. And I'll most likely see them. Um, and I think that's about it for this time. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and thank you for uh, excusing my absence. Not that it needs an excuse, but uh, thanks for hanging in there, even though I was gone for a couple months and um, most people probably didn't know what the hell is going on. But uh, yeah, we're going to try and uh, keep on the schedule, keep on keeping on. And uh, just remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. Drive left center field. He might have had it. There it goes. It's out of here. Oh, duck out.